Your mom's a swoof. My name is Sarah Jones, and this is my podcast, Your Mom's a Sleuth, where I talk about everything from murder to motherhood. Listen in as I give you the details you haven't heard on the news yet, right here on Your Mom's a Sleuth. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to Your Mom's a Sleuth. My name is Sarah Jones, and this is episode eight. And As usual, I am talking about the University of Idaho murders and the defendant, Brian Koberger, the accused. And I have not been in front of this microphone since the beginning of the summer, really. And just because that is the case does not mean that things slowed down over the summer, although you might think they did because there wasn't much coverage on it over the summer. But just as school has got back in session and my kids have left the house, this case has started to pick back up. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that happened over the summer. I lost my voice last week, so I'm still struggling a little bit. You might sense a little change in my voice here, but that's what's going on. I am recovering from something awful. But anyways, I'm back. And just in time, in fact, because over the weekend, there was an episode of 48 Hours, which aired, and uh, the Gonsalves family was right there, ready to talk about what they could. There is a strict gag order in place. But interestingly, we also got to hear from uh, Zana Kernodal's sister and her father, who I haven't really seen on any mainstream shows discussing what happened to Zaina. And I was really emotional watching her sister speak. You can tell that it is still uh, very, very painful and upsetting for her to discuss what happened. But there was some new things that came out in this um, hour-long special, and I want to talk about that as well. So where I left you all was that there was going to be a trial date. It, it it was set for October. Brian Koberger had not personally pled not guilty, but the court had issued a plea of not guilty because he refused to speak, um, which is a strategical thing. Basically, you know, later on he could say that he's insane and he's not capable of speaking for himself, or he could um, buy himself a little bit more time by not entering that plea. Uh, He might be able to work with prosecutors later on on some sort of plea deal. But we know this crazy guy, and we know that there's no way he's going to do a plea deal. He is very interested in this game of cat and mouse that he's playing. And I think he's very pleased with himself. I don't know how he could walk into court in the past few weeks and kind of give off a smile. It's... You know, it's a moment in time, but I don't even know how you could manage to muster a smile being in that situation if you were, in fact, innocent. But that's why I don't work in a court. That's why I'm not a judge, because here I am just saying that he's guilty based on the fact that he's smiling in court. Uh, Anyways, so over the summer, a few things happened. Um, Number one, they confirmed that it is 99.999% positive that the DNA found on the sheath to the alleged murder weapon 
was absolutely Brian Koberger's. So that was huge, you know, because before it, it was like the DNA of his father. And this is definitely the father of the murderer. It was roundabout. So this has been confirmed now. Definitely Brian Koberger's DNA on the murder weapon sheath. So what happened after that? After that, Brian Koberger's team files several motions. The first motion is to dismiss the grand jury indictment. Now, what does that mean? A grand jury indictment is when a grand jury comes together and they look at all the evidence against you, which was sealed, by the way. Uh, So we don't know what uh, a lot of that evidence was, but they look at that evidence and they say, you know what, there's enough evidence here to charge this person with these crimes and hold a trial. And so that's what happened back in June. Now, Brian Koberger has issued this motion to dismiss that based on 24 specific facts. And those specific arguments have been sealed, of course, just like everything else in this case, shrouded in secrecy. But there are a few things that he does cite in the motion uh, before the specifics that make people sort of scratch their heads and say, okay, what's he getting at here? And one of those things is that he cites a case where basically the prosecutor allowed witness testimony in the evidence against a defendant that he knew was false and that the witness testimony being false and being allowed in court and it wasn't pointed out that it was false, that that basically upended the trial and the defendant was found not guilty. So Brian Koberger is basically insinuating that there is some witness testimony that has been used against him that is false and that the prosecutor is aware is false. Uh, That or that the witness is incompetent and therefore their testimony cannot be relied upon. So you know, I'm going to take out my jump to conclusions, Matt, here, which everybody in my family knows I love to take out. And I am going to assume here that he is going to say that Dylan's testimony against him is not fair because she was so inebriated, so inebriated that she didn't call for help until almost noon the next day. I'm still scratching my head at that. Sorry. I I wouldn't blame him for calling her account of things into question because I don't think anybody, you know, that's following this trial right now is taking her account too seriously since none of it makes any sense. And I have to say that lately I am scratching my head going, what, you know, besides the small amount of DNA and the cell phone tower pings, I I really hope that there is more evidence against Brian Koberger, because I don't currently believe it is enough to actually find him guilty. I certainly wouldn't be convinced by just those things if I was sitting on a jury. And I'm not the only one who feels that way. Uh, On 48 Hours this weekend, Kaylee Gonzalez's father stated that he was not sure if Brian Koberger was the actual murderer. He's not convinced based on the information that they have been given. Now, her mother disagreed strongly with him, but uh, he is basically saying that he's not really sure either. 
but that he's frustrated at the lack of evidence being provided to the family, that the lack of facts and the gag order and no one's allowed to talk about anything. Um, And I, I think we all are at this point. I'm not really sure. I understand. I know it's to protect Brian Koberger's rights as a potentially innocent person. You know, if he is prosecuted, tried, convicted in a court of public opinion before any of this even starts, then how can they find, you know, a fair jury pool? But it just feels like more than that, because now the prosecution and the defense are both arguing in court that there should not even be allowed cameras in the courtroom. And they had a big hearing on that last week. And the judge kind of seemed to right there with them that it is not the public's right to see what's going on in the courtroom, that it should just be left up to the handful of reporters who happened to make it in that day. And the Associated Press is saying, no, this is not right. You know, they were there. They had an attorney there saying, you know, there are um, reporters who can't make it, who won't be in the courtroom. And, you know, the public deserves to know the truth. And prosecution is saying that there are certain witnesses who might feel uncomfortable talking about what they've witnessed, what what happened that night uh, and that morning, um, if there are millions of people watching. But I mean, it's not like they're there in the courtroom with you. And can't they just record the interview elsewhere? You know, there, there are so many ways around this. But I, I really don't understand why everything has been sealed. There's we're not getting any information. And now they're saying that they're, they're going to not even allow cameras in the courtroom. And you know, what are they going to have, like a cartoonist giving us pictures? I will not stand for that, okay? This is too big of a story. And if the prosecution get it wrong, which I really don't think they did, I have a lot of faith in this prosecutor. If they got it wrong, does that mean that there's still a murderer out there? I feel like the public has the right to know. So unfortunately, the judge did not make a decision on that hearing. He said, I'm going to think about this you know, and and we'll come back to it. I don't even know what that means. We'll come back to it? When? Because now as it stands, we don't know when the trial is going to happen. Brian Koberger waived his right to a speedy trial, meaning every defendant has the right to a trial within six months of being arrested and charged. And Brian Koberger waived that right because he wants to give Uh, the defense enough time to prepare an argument for what is surely going to be a very complicated case. And the defense team is working very hard. Uh, He's got a very good team of attorneys. He's very lucky that this is, you know, that this has been publicly granted to him because they are working very hard and effectively. So he certainly can't say that he didn't have attorneys who were out for his best interest. So we have a plea of not guilty entered by the judge for him. We have uh, DNA evidence that is a near 100% match. We have a motion to dismiss based on the credibility of the witness and also some insinuations that the professionals who collected the evidence were not qualified. And 
now we have an argument for no cameras in court. So that's what's officially been going on. And then there's the 48 hours interview with the families and some new things that were brought to light based on that. And you can tell that uh, the families and 48 hours are working very hard around the gag order, sort of always saying, well, this is something we talked about before the gag order was in place. So we're allowed to talk about it here. A couple uh, a couple interesting things were said. The first was the sad news that Kaylee was awake for what happened to her. And they know this because she had wounds and and she was positioned in such a way that it was obvious she tried to get away. That uh, she was pinned between the wall and Maddie and uh, that the bed was up against the wall, if that makes sense. And that Maddie had been attacked in her sleep and uh, Kaylee was awoken, tried to get out of the situation she was in, but uh, was obviously no match for somebody with a massive knife and very bad intentions. So that paints a really sad picture um, of what happened in that room. But to me, it tells me really exactly what did happen. And it confirmed for a lot of people that Maddie was the target. And it's interesting because Kaylee's sister also said on 48 Hours that in the minutes before the public was alerted to the fact that Brian Koberger had been arrested, the families were notified. And she knew she had a very small window of time to figure out who this guy was before, you know, he started being publicly brought out into the open. And she went on to the girls' Instagram pages and found that there was an account um, with the name Brian Koberger following them, that that account also followed members of Brian Koberger's family, and that he had liked nearly every single one of Maddie's photographs and some of Kaylee's too. Uh, so that there there was, in fact, a connection between them. And she believes the account is real, but they're no longer allowed to talk about it. The police are not allowed to confirm whether or not it's real. No one's allowed to talk about it because of the gag order that's in place. So if that's true, then that would really mean that um, there is a connection and that Brian Koberger is not being truthful because he says there's absolutely no connection between him and the victims. And a lot of people are saying there's no way that somebody this intelligent would be that stupid to continue to follow the victims weeks after their murder and to leave, you know, such a critical trail of evidence behind. So I don't know. I I don't know how she could have found that how that you know in the time before his name was made public you know i'm not i'm not sure how that happens um if it is fake but uh again this is something that will come to light during the trial i i have to give great props to kaylee's family they are not taking this lying down they not from the very beginning they got into her cell phone and traced her movements looked up her phone calls that she had made you know turned all this stuff over to the police her sister is the one who found the cameras at the food truck that they were at right before they went home. It's really amazing the amount of work that she put in and was the thing she was able to uncover before the detectives even uncovered it. So uh, kudos to Kaylee's sister. It's really impressive 
what she managed to pull together in the days after her sister was killed. So what else have people concluded after this 48 hours interview? There's a few things. Kaylee Gonzalez's father says that he believes that Brian Koberger or the murderer had some sort of kill kit. Now that's pure speculation. What what's a what's a kill kit? A kill kit would be like a change of clothes, you know, murder weapon, things to clean up after himself, that he brought all those things in with him and planned this very far in advance. And the reason that they're saying that is because somebody does this type of murder, they should be head to toe covered in evidence, not to get graphic, but he should have blood all over him, all over his shoes, his hands, everywhere. You don't just walk out of there clean. I I don't know because the evidence is sealed, but it seems to be implied that there's not much evidence outside of that house, not much evidence inside of Brian Koberger's car, not much evidence in his apartment. And so where is all of that excess blood? How does he commit that crime and walk out of there clean? Additionally, there were two other profiles of male DNA found in and outside of the home that they have not found matches to. And so his defense team is looking for the matches to those two forms of DNA so that they can explain why they were there. One of them was on a latex glove, which was found on the ground outside of the home. So if I'm a jury and I'm hearing that, I'm going, what? But what is the DNA that was on the glove? Is it touch DNA? Is it blood? You know, what is it? Obviously, more information is needed here. So those were my takeaways from the 48 Hours episode, which was much hyped, but I feel like it only aired because the families are so desperate to talk about it, so desperate to keep the story continued in the media, keep the attention alive, because the court is so desperate to stifle it to create a jury pool that is honest and unaware. I don't know how long that's going to take. I there there's no trial date set. They're now sort of in limbo waiting for everybody to create a a good enough case on each side. And I think that there really wasn't much substance to that 48 hours, but I always appreciate the small kernels of new information that come out of these things. And the last thing I want to talk about that I just want to make everybody acutely aware of is Brian Koberger's appearance. When he was first arrested, he appeared sickly. His skin was raw. His face was sunken in. He just looked like there was something wrong with him. And I thought initially, maybe my mind is just playing tricks on me. You know, yes, he's creepy with his bushy eyebrows and there's, you know, this is clearly some depraved lunatic. But now he seems to be more physically fit. He appears to have a healthier glow to him. He uh, just looks healthier in general. And that is shocking to me because then he's even sort of smirking and smiling and joking around with his defense team. Uh, It just comes across as somebody much more confident than the nervous psychopath look that we were receiving last spring. So 
I don't know if he's receiving better care for himself than he was as a free individual. So, you know, he just now looks better. Or if this is a defense strategy to make him appear like a normal individual, like we can all relate to, instead of like the creepy, bleached psychopath who was arrested. Uh, But whatever it is, it's working for him. Um, just because I find myself taking a step back and going, this is a much more relatable individual. Take note of that. Look at pictures of him from September of this year and look at pictures of him back in December of 2022 when he was arrested. Uh, My guess is the stress of running from the police was wearing on him then. And now he is calm, cool, collected, and dare I say, excited to take this case apart because it's what he loves to do. It's his passion. It's what he was studying. And he cannot wait to pick it all apart to prove himself, quote unquote, innocent. So that's my takeaway from what's happening lately. I don't know how much more we're going to see other than a ruling, probably a toss out of the motion to dismiss the grand jury indictment and the final ruling on cameras in court. After that, it's completely open-ended on when we're going to be back in court. And I absolutely hate leaving things open-ended because there's no closure. We have to wait such a long time for closure on this and for the truth to finally be revealed And that seems unfair. Seems unfair for the victims' families, for the victims themselves. And on my end, selfishly, it's unfair because I have invested, you know, myself personally, so much time in emotions. And this is where my empath heart really comes out. But I need to know what happened to these young people. And I need to know the truth. Is Brian Koberger innocent? Or is he guilty? And what is the evidence that they have? So we're looking to you, Bill Thompson, Lataw County prosecutor of 30 years. We are looking to you to make this happen and bring it all together, paint the picture for us, and let's find him guilty already. Anyways, that's my piece, guys. I hope I get to talk to you again soon and bring you new and uh, exciting information I think that's what the families of the victims are hoping for, too, by agreeing to another sit-down interview in the last week or so. So in any case, please continue to stay tuned and be safe out there and good luck out there in the wild. Thanks, guys. Bye.